Welcome, my name is Pastor Steven, so great to have you here, especially for everybody who's joining us online, all across the mainland, tuning in, and for those of you who are with us this morning, I'm so stoked you're here. What a great time to have you. We're currently in a series called Rooted, Rooted, and we're talking about how important culture and where you come from, your roots, your spiritual heritage, all that plays into uh, your spiritual life and your walk with God. And so we're going to be taking a look at it this whole month. We're taking a look at different aspects of being rooted. And today is a special day. High five to moms. Everybody give mom a high five that's close to you. All right. Today is Mother's Day. We're going to be celebrating that. And so we're going to be weaving this rooted series into Mother's Day and, and appreciating moms. Because if we take a look at our roots and our, our history... If we took a look at that family tree, moms are such an important part of where we come from, right? Often overlooked and unappreciated, moms carry just such a huge influence and pull in the history of the world, especially in the Bible. We're going to be taking a look at that, but before we do, let's have a little fun. How many of you guys watch the Dave Letterman show? Anybody? Sometimes? Okay, you know his top 10 thing, you know, the cards. Almost every talk show, guys, has that. Jay Leno used to do that too, and it's, you know, the guys are retiring, okay, you know, uh, give them a break. Well, I, I stole top 10 uh, things you don't want to hear at a Mother's Day brunch, okay, you guys ready? All right, number 10, the top 10 things you don't want to hear at Mother's Day brunch is welcome to Hooters, number 10, not good, not good. Uh, <laughs> number nine, number nine, number nine, let's see, when the waiter comes ask you, table for one? Oh, you don't want to hear that at Mother's Day brunch, right? You don't want to be alone. Okay, number eight. Uh, what's, new since la- what's new since last Mother's Day? The waiter what he says, what's new since last Mother's Day is not good. Okay, uh, maybe when the kids come and join you for brunch, surprise, I'm moving in with you. Something you don't want to hear on a Mother's Day brunch, okay? Um, here's a really odd out of left field one. Uh, if somebody says, if your father gets any more drunker, I'm going to beat him with a meatball. Okay, uh, this, is, this is Dave Leverman. Um, I'm just taking him from him, okay? I think a lot of people laughed at that one on the video, okay? Um, uh, what about this one? My, my favorite Mother's Day? Uh, that would be the one before I had you. No, that's probably not something you want to hear at Mother's Day, okay? Um, Maybe if somebody says, the waiter has agreed to witness the signing of the will. You don't want to hear that at a Mother's Day brunch. Um, number three, number three. I'll either pay for your brunch or your electro- electrolysis treatments. Okay, yeah, that one didn't fly either on the video. Um, how about this one? Mrs. Fossil, will you accept a collect call from Stephen? No, no collect calls. My mom wouldn't. Okay, um, Okay, this one. This one, I, I didn't even know who this was, but number one, meet your new stepdad, Robert Durst. You guys know who Robert Durst is? This is a guy who keeps on murdering his wives, you know, okay? Yeah, okay. I had to look that one up. Okay, I tried. I tried to humor it up a little bit, you know, but I, I was thinking as I was going through these top 10 lists, I was like, man, I don't know. Should I do this? Are the women going to not feel appreciated by me having some fun with Mother's Day? Well, I'm going to get a little more serious now. We're going to talk about um, how maybe a lot of moms feel when it comes to Mother's Day because we're appreciating moms and, you know, sometimes moms just need a little bit of encouragement and appreciation uh, because you know why? Being mom is not easy. It's not. Uh, There's no time in, clock, you know, no paid vacation, no sick days. You're always on. It's like that TV commercial where uh, the guy pops his head in and, the little baby's in the crib, and he says, can I get a sick day? And no, it doesn't work that way with being a mom. Um, yeah, it, and when, when the duties of, of being a mom get neglected, everything suffers. Everything gets backed up. And so it's just, man, being a mom is not easy. I had a whole year where I got to be a Mr. Mom. I got to stay at home while mom worked. And Man, I got to tell you what, my appreciation for her and my respect for what she does just went out the roof because I spent the full day with my kids uh, for a whole year. 
um, every week, every month. And then there's also, uh, there are days as moms, right, when nothing gets accomplished. And you feel like there's no sense of accomplishment because from day to day, you can't say, oh, I'm going to be a carpenter and I'm going to go build this house. And then it's finished and I can feel a sense of completion because now, wow, look at this house I built. But being a mom, you just day in, day out, uh, and it feels like there's nothing being accomplished. But women, I got to tell you, it, what you do is so huge. Um, moms, they, they're lonely and, and they need space at the same time, you know, because sometimes it feels like you're alone in this and at the same time when the man comes back home, is like, man, I need some space. I'm stressed out already. So there's this, this kind of dichotomy, this balance here. Um, and we get it, moms. We do. Uh, moms, I get it when you don't really like playing tea party or pushing swings after five hours of hearing your kids scream. You know, we get it. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. Um, and I... I, I just from talking to some moms, I, I get the sense that they miss feeling like a woman, not just a mom. You know, they want to go get dressed up. They want to go out and date and just look pretty and feel good and not have to worry about all the kids all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I know from just a lot of things I read and talking to my wife, she lets me know that, you know, moms feel unappreciated. They feel unappreciated. We don't I don't think we as a culture or as a church or husbands recognize how huge what moms do. It's, how, it's so huge, and we don't let them know enough how much we appreciate that. So a lot of moms feel extremely unappreciated. Uh, and then here's another one. Moms feel like sometimes the day never ends, ever, ever. It's like, you know, my wife, she, she wakes up at 6 in the morning, she, she makes the girls breakfast, feeds them, they're all screening, putting them in time out, and I'm getting to work, and man, and then it's lunchtime, she's doing, I come back in out of the office, and she's doing it more, she's like, they're screaming at each other, she's screaming at them, and then I go back in the office, and I come out, and it's still going, dinner time, and hopefully I, I get a pitch in every once in a while and like take them the time out or <laughs> take them outside for a second but it's just going 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 and then it, and then it's like 12 at night and there's a knock on the door mommy mommy it just never never ends it feels like the day never ends and I, and I feel for my wife I feel for you moms out there um, and then sometimes I've just seen this before I think moms they get so um, overwhelmed with being the mom and they get overwhelmed with the workload and don't feel appreciated that eventually if, if it, there's enough piled on that moms often forget who they are. Like, who am I? What am I here to do? I, wh what is my purpose here? Sometimes discouragement, even depression sneaks in and, and it's not easy being a mom. So I, I would just like to say just on a serious note that growing up, I always found a reason to nitpick on my mom and the way she raised me. I'd always be yelling and screaming at her. I'd always be dragging my feet when she'd ask me to do something. I was always being dis disciplined. And, you know, I, I really, really, really gave my mother a hard time, and many of those gray hairs on her head right now are because of me. And, you know, I would say terrible things to her that I don't, didn't really mean. I'd tell her I hated her. I'd tell her, you know, she, she was, uh, I didn't respect her, and I would just say terrible things. Um, even in my adulthood, I would, I would process my mom and how she raised me, and I would have, you know, things to say that weren't necessarily kind. And you know, today I would like to do something. I would like to, I'd like to publicly um, ask my mom for forgiveness for the way that I treated her for all those years. And you know, um, I know my mom's probably gonna listen to this message, but uh, mom, I want you to forgive me. And I'm sorry for dishonoring you because you, you did so much for me. And mom's, sometimes go whole lifetimes without getting 
hearing those words, Mom, I appreciate you. Mom, you, you did the best you could. Mom, I love you. Mom, you're the best. And that's what I want to say to my mom this morning. And if you haven't gotten a chance, maybe you have beef with your mom or there's something wrong, I want to encourage you. If there's anything that you do from the end of this message is that you go to mom, call her up, see her in person, take her to lunch, just tell her how much you love her. I don't care what she did, how bad she raised you, she's your mom, okay? And just love on her, all right? Um, And moms are increasingly being underappreciated. Culture is kind of, in a sense, more and more I see this on the news and the way that TV shows are pushing things, but our society is really diminishing the role of mom and saying, oh, well, that's, that's oh, stay-at-home moms, oh, that's, that's a lesser than if you have a career and things like that. And so we, we kind of diminish the role of mom. We, we take kids, and, and I know there are circumstances where we don't have any other choices, but we just throw them in daycare, and moms have less of a role in raising children. And, and I just, I think that it, it's a sad thing where a society diminishes the role of the mom because I think great people who change history, people of destiny, come from the rooted mothers who raised them well. And, and we're going to talk about that. But before we do, I'm going I'm to bring it real and we're going to ask God to join us this morning. If you can bow your heads, close your eyes, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, the series where we're talking about our roots, where we come from, and, and it's so fitting, especially on Mother's Day, to talk about our mothers and how important they are and how uh, in history moms made such an impact, and especially in the history of the Bible. Lord, we pray that you would um, speak through me this morning, that you would change hearts, that you would open minds, that you would just, uh, people would feel the love here, that they would feel um, your presence. And Lord, I just pray that this message would speak to their hearts and we pray this in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Hey, you guys, we have this verse we take a look at throughout the whole series, uh, and we encourage you to write it down somewhere that's visible. Have, has anybody done that before for message series, written it down and put it on? I'm going to be holding you accountable. Have, make sure you do that. Write it down somewhere. If you have to this morning, put down the reference num- number. It's Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 19 through 21. We're going to be memorizing this. We're going to be thinking about it. And we're going to be pondering uh, upon this scripture because it fits in with the whole series. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 21. That's what it says. So now you Gentiles. Who's Gentiles, by the way? Everybody point your neighbor and say, you are. All right? Unless you're Jewish, you're a Gentile, okay? My wife, she's 1% Jewish. So (laughs) I don't point to her. So she's kind of... uh, Mostly Gentile, all right? Um, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. Why is it saying that? Why is it saying that? Because, you know, in in the culture, in Israel, if you were not Jewish, you were excluded. You were not a promised people. You were not the chosen race. You were not included. And everybody who was not Jewish was an outsider. And we don't don't accept people who are non-Jewish. But this verse right here, Paul is saying, you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You are, what? Citizens, along with God's holy people. You are, what? Members of what? Say it out loud. Members of God's family. You're in. You're in his family tree. So together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming holy temple for the Lord. So he's saying, together we're his house. You all here, together, we're his house. And we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And I'll say to you this morning, not just the apostles and the prophets and the big spiritual gurus of days of old. Guess what makes up that foundation? Godly mothers. Godly mothers. And we're going to be taking a look in Scripture at a number of godly mothers because we are rooted through mothers of destiny. We're rooted through mothers of destiny And mothers rooted in destiny 
Protect our children by any means necessary. Write that down. That's, that's an important thing about these women in the Bible. We take a look at these mothers, and there's some common factors that we learn from them all. The first one is that they protect our children by any means necessary. Any means necessary. Think about it. Just, just play with it, uh, this thought in your mind for a minute. Go back to your great, 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 Okay? And imagine with me what she went through to protect her little boy or her little girl in order for you to be there today, to be here right now. Think of how many times she caught that little boy that was your great 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 grandfather. I don't even know if I did the amount of greats right on that. But just imagine how many times she protected him, nursed him back to health when he was sick, caught him when he was about to fall down. Think of how many close calls over and over and over and over and over and over again that mothers played and to you just being here right now, you existing. Isn't that amazing? Think about how many close calls you've had in your life, how many times you almost died and for moms out there, how many times have you caught your little ones standing up on top of the couch getting ready, or they were jumping head first and you caught them, and they would have been, they would have been paralyzed from the neck down if you hadn't had the quick hands? Goodness, moms. Moms have an instinct to protect their children by any means, means, means necessary. Now, there are women of old who are included in the roots of God's family tree, and they went to great lengths to protect the children God gave them. There's a whole lot of stories I got to pick from. So it wasn't hard to find examples at all. The first one I could think of is uh, Moses' mom. I mean, hello. Talking about amazing women. Take a look at this is a, uh, an, an amazing portrait of Moses' mother. And um, she lived in a time, you have to understand, she lived in a time that was very, very, very dangerous. She lived in a time where her people were being put into slavery. She lived in a time where her children were in danger of death because they were a threat. And let's take a look at the text here. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 8 through 10 and verse 22, it says this about Moses, his mother, and the people of Israel. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join the enemies and fight against us, and they will escape from the country. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River. But you may let the girls live. Can you imagine being a mom at that time? Being maybe a pregnant mother? And then sure enough, you give birth and it's a baby boy? And the government you're under has put out a hit list on your baby boy? Can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine the stress? How overwhelming that must have been? Not only that, but you're being put into slavery? I can't imagine. And this is a time in the history where the love of many grew cold. It's not the only time in history that's happened, nor will it not happen in the future because unfortunately history repeats itself until we learn from it. But this was a time in history where the hearts of many grew cold and the value of human life, the value of innocent babies was diminished. You know how that works, right? If you look in history, you can see how this happens, especially if you just take a look at the life, uh, the history of the people of Israel. I mean, you go back to Nazi Germany 
and the way that they would diminish the value of human life with Jewish people in order to just be able to, to be at, at peace or balance with themselves while they're throwing bodies into ovens, throwing people into gas chambers. Well, in order to do that, psychologically, you have to, you have to short-circuit the mind into not looking at that baby as a human being, but looking at that baby or that person that you hate as an animal. And that's the key for great atrocities. You have to look at that as not a human being. That person has to be looked at as an animal. And that's why I find it so dangerous and disturbing when I go on Facebook, especially in the Baltimore riots and all that, and people are typing on their animals. It's a dangerous path because when you diminish someone's race or humanity to an animal, you can just shoot an animal and not feel anything about it because it's an animal. If you look at terrorists who are ravaged with hate and you call them animals, you're doing the same thing to them that they're doing to you. And the value of human life is diminished. And it was diminished in this time in history in Israel for, for infants. It's not the only time it's been diminished. In fact, today in our culture, the value of human life and, and innocent babies is diminished or we can kill over millions of babies every year in America because abortion's okay. We're not going to talk about that today. But the value of human life is diminished but mothers rooted in destiny do everything in their power to protect their babies. They value life. They value life. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. This is what happened with Moses' mom. At that time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw a baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find the one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for her your help. So the women took the baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. The first thing I noticed about this, ver this scripture, this story, is that Moses' mother valued human life, no matter how little, no, how, no matter how much that person could defend their self. She valued that life. She saw that the baby was special. How many moms would say, my baby is special. They're the most unique, amazing thing on earth. And no, there's no kid that's more special, more amazing than my little Johnny or my little Sally. All right? That's what I think about my kids. I think they're the best. I mean, come on. I mean, what mom doesn't feel that connection with the life that comes from within her. And she gives birth to it. So she felt she was, he was special. And he was. This is Moses, a man of destiny. But he's rooted in this, his mother who's taken care of him. And she kept him hidden for three months. Can you imagine? I mean, I know some of you moms have a hard time holding your baby and keeping him quiet through an hour service at church. Can you imagine three months keeping your kid quiet, not screaming? Because somebody might hear him and, and then come and take him and, and kill him with a sword. Ooh, three months she hid him. Then she comes up with this clever, ingenious idea. She, By any means necessary, I'm going to make 
a, a boat, a mini boat for my kid out of a basket. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put tar and pitch on it to make it float. Ingenious. Moms can make miracles out of nothing, especially when, when you're poor, you don't have food to eat. Man, for Thanksgiving, mama can make a miracle for Thanksgiving out of nothing. She makes this basket and floats her down the river in hopes that someone have, have pity on the baby. Had a little sister. She was clever. She just wasn't just randomly letting it go and saying, oh. She was being intentional, trying to, to do anything she could to make sure her baby was safe. And you know what? Not all the hearts of people in Egypt were cold because the princess saw this little baby boy and she felt pity. She saw him as a human being and she even recognized this is a Hebrew boy. This is the ones they're trying to kill. And she took it upon herself. Motherly instincts may be kicking in. And she took it un under herself. And some people here in Hawaii get hanaid. We have um, programs that we can take people in who don't have a home. And this is what she did. She felt pity. She took Moses in. And it's so cool uh, that when you take a look at this princess, she, she goes back and finds the very mom somehow, because the sister, right? The sister, hey, do you, do you need somebody to help nurse that baby? I know somebody, right? It's the mom. Isn't that cool? And so, in fact, the princess is like, I'll even pay you to do that. I can pay you to do that. I got a joke. Okay, hopefully, I, I, I butcher jokes, okay? Just so, if, you, if you saw by the top 10 list, I, I was just dying on that one, right? Okay, um, but I thought, I thought I'd come up with some fun. You know, let's have a little fun. It's Mother's Day, right? Let's have good, good vibes here, right? Um, so, and this relates to Mom's Day. I, I will. I will eventually land there. There was an old lady and she was poor. And she just was, you know, loved God. Loved God, loved God, on fire. Always carrying a big Bible with her. She's very loving, very loving. And she had this atheist neighbor, okay? Atheist. Hates God. Just, just, he just drove him crazy to live next to an old lady who loved God. And all she did is talk about God. And it would just enrage him. He hated God, okay? And it especially despised people who, who follow God. And so he would try to have debates with this poor old lady. And over and over again, he would harass her about why she believes in God and and. And, you know, one day he, so he decided to go really low. And he's like, how can, you, how can you serve a God that doesn't even provide for you enough groceries to eat? Because she's poor, right? She's like, she got like, you know, the cheap canned foods and very little of them coming back and forth from the store. And he sees that. How can you follow a God that doesn't even provide for you? He's like, I'm going to prove to you that God doesn't exist. I'm going to prove to you by the fact that I will pay for your groceries, not God. I will pay for groceries, and I will provide for you, and God doesn't. Therefore, God doesn't exist. If God loves you, and I'm the one providing for you, he doesn't exist. So he goes and buys her a huge thing of groceries, steaks, lobster, all kinds of just goods, and he brought it, brought it puts it down on her, on her porch and says, see? I told you God doesn't exist. He's not real. And he's just going off. And, and she starts praising God. Oh, Lord, praise you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, God is so good. He's, what in the heck is she praising God for? I just proved to you that God doesn't exist. <laughs> and she's like, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for providing for me groceries. You, and you even made the devil pay the bill. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Long story short of that joke is that <laughs> Moses' mother 
is, is she is a, in a land that she's put in slavery, and, and the people of Egypt are evil. I mean, it's like the devil. Like, if you want to call anything the devil, oh, well, that rock band's the devil, or foosball's the devil. Okay, well, that nation was the devil, all right? If any place was, but you know what? The princess is paying the mom to be a mama. God is making the devil pay the bill. Isn't that cool? I love it. So moms, <laughs> I tied it all in. I wove it in. Good, thank you. Okay. I didn't, I, the punchline was good, right? Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, I was really nervous about that punchline. <laughs> now, so, you made the devil pay the bill. And you know what? Just, I, there's tons of stories. I didn't have time for all of them, but there was uh, two prostitutes in King Solomon's kingdom who each had a child, and unfortunately, during the night, one of the prostitutes rolled over on their baby, and it died. It's very sad. And, and so she, she pulled a fast one. She takes her dead baby, puts it with the other one, takes the live baby, and goes to bed. And the, the other prostitute wakes up in the morning, and she looks into, you know, to nurse her baby, and the baby's dead. And she looks at him in the sun and realizes, this is not my baby. So they're fighting over <laughs> the baby, the one that's left living. And man, you get into a mama's instinct of like, you taking my, no, uh, no, you're not going to take my baby. So they went to King Solomon, who was a righteous judge, and he was really wise. And so he went, they went before him and said, this is my baby. No, this is my baby. This is my baby. And so he's like, oh, so you're saying this is your baby. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Or you're just saying it's yours. Oh, okay. And he's like, right, bring me my sword. What? 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 Bring me my sword. And he says, here's how I'm going to settle this. I'm going to cut this baby in half and each give you a half. You know what the real mother did? No, 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 don't, don't do that. No, 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 don't, 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 don't cut him. Give, give it to the other woman. Give it to her. You know what the woman that wasn't the mom said? Cut him in half. You know what Solomon said? I know whose mom that is. The mother who wanted to keep that baby alive, who would do anything, even if it meant giving it to another person, to keep that baby alive. Moms would do anything, by any means necessary, protect your little ones. And you know what? Moms, you may be feeling like, wow, like, how can I protect them? I, I barely can keep track of them, and sometimes they're like, trip down the stairs, and I just feel like I'm such a failure as a mom, but it's like, I'm overwhelmed, but you got to know that God made inside of you a protection instinct that's going to carry you. And even where you can't be there enough, or you can't keep enough eyes on them, or you can't keep them from falling, or you can't keep them from making bad decisions, God can. God can fill in the gaps. God can. He can protect them. I encourage you moms to pray for your kids. Pray for their protection. Pray the blood of Jesus over your children. What does that mean, the blood of Jesus? It means that the blood that was shed to pay for our penalty of our sin and pay for death and cover death, and pay the debt of death. That's what the blood of Jesus is. And so we pray protection over our kids. Lord, protect them. The blood of Jesus over them means that we pray a protection over death, a protection uh, against sin, uh, protection over them. And, and that's what my mom would always say, be praying, Lord, protect them, you know. And sometimes we'd almost get in an accident. My mom would scream out in the car, the blood of Jesus. And boom, cars totaled, flipping around, people walking out all bloody and stuff. And not a scream. We no seatbelts, by the way. Eight kids in a big VW bus. There was even like a box like we homemade box, like we would put stuff in, and there was a couple of kids hiding in the box, you know, they're like sitting randomly in the chairs, and we, <laughs> there were guys like with their skulls bashed in, like bleeding all over the place, and there was not a scratch on his kids. Can you believe the old seatbelt laws? I mean, but God protected us. Amen? So where you can't, God can. Now, uh, there's something really cool. I was looking all night for um, just some powerful quote. 
um, about moms. And I think this one ties in pretty good. And you can write this one down. This is a pretty good one. It's from Billy Graham. He said, only God himself fully appreciates the influence of a Christian mother and the molding of character in her children. Only God himself fully appreciates the influence of a Christian mother in the molding of a character of her children. It's so important, moms. You play such a huge role in the destiny of your children. And what you do has a deep impact. As mothers rooted in destiny, they protect their children by any means necessary and Secondly, they give their children to the Lord. What? Pastor Stephen, you're saying give my children to the Lord? Yeah. I'm here to tell you this morning that they don't belong to you anyway. They're already His. You are just stewards or managers of your children They're God's. They belong to him. And by giving your children to the Lord, you set them up to become history makers. And that's why we do child dedications at the wake. We don't do baptisms because they don't really have the free will choice to say, hey, I want to follow God. But we as parents, we dedicate them to the Lord. We say, Lord, they belong to you. We're going to do everything in our power to raise them in you, to raise them to follow you. And so that's why we have baby dedications coming up here um, either this weekend or next weekend. Um, next weekend. So, mothers root in destiny, give their children to the Lord. If all women in the Christian faith gave their children to the Lord, the world would change overnight. Overnight. If moms had the mentality of, this is not my child, this is God's child. They're special. They have a a role in history. They're part of God's family. If moms started treating their children like that, the world would change overnight. And there was a mom in the Bible who I want to recognize. Her name was Hannah. Hannah. Okay, she was barren. And she couldn't have kids. But check out this story. It's super cool. 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Once, after a sacrificial meal in Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting in his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. And he will be yours this entire lifetime. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. This is where we get the idea of dedicating babies to the Lord. I will give him back to you, she says. You know what's cool about giving things to God? Is that he gives them back to us. He just wants to see if we understand and acknowledge that Everything we have belongs to him. And that's what a tithe is. It's saying, God, all my money is yours. This is just a reminder to myself, it's 10%, that all I have is yours, even my money. But our eternal children belong to him. And all he asks is that we acknowledge that, that we give our children to him. And in return, guess what he does? He gives it back to us. So many times in my life when I gave something up, I was, uh, <laughs> I like making fun of myself. Back in the day, I, it's like Zoolander moment. Uh, I used to model, okay? I had a, a, a girl come up to me not too long ago and basically said, I saw your modeling photos on Facebook. And she said, what happened? Okay, yeah, so that was very humbling. Um, and so, <laughs> being a dad happened, okay? Come on, get off my case. <laughs> All right. Um, now, <laughs> where am I going with this? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I remember now. Uh, <laughs> so, modeling, okay, you, it's, it's, I don't recommend you just, like, encourage your kid, hey, when you get older and you, you turn 14 or 16 or 18, become a model, okay? Because, yeah, there's not drugs and there's not people trying to take advantage of you and there's not a really dark side to that industry, right? And so, um, you know, just being a part of that, I realized 
you know, after I got, became a Christian, I was like, God, I don't want to be involved in this. You know, they're, they're asking me to do things that sell out. I feel like I'm selling out of who I became. I'm, and so I gave up modeling. Just washed my hands of it, said, I'm done. So I moved to California, and I heard about this Christian modeling agency. I was like, I gave this up, but, you know, if there's a Christian modeling agency, maybe they won't send me to jobs where I have to compromise my faith. Called them up. That lady that ran it was on fire for the Lord. Ended up being an awesome relationship that paid most of my way through college. Because I'd given it up, and God's like, no, here, take it back. I got something better for you. It's going to pay for most of your school, too. Yeah? It's, it's, it's cool. That's how God works. And you know what? Giving it to him, you'll give it back. Let's go back to the story of Moses' mom. She's just willing to give him to the Lord. God, he belongs to you. I know him. it's my job to protect him. I'm going to give him to you. Protect him. Take care of him. He's yours. He's special. He's significant. He's yours. You know what God does? Like, wait, time out. Hey, wait. Princess, I'm going to have you pay this woman who is actually the mom to nurse him and raise him up until he's old enough to become a ruler, a leader who frees a nation. She gave him to God and God gave it right back to her. Isn't that cool? That's what happens. That's what happens with Hannah. She has a baby boy. Sure enough, right? We read on here. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, when um, Ekanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. So she gave, she gave him up. She goes to the temple to give him to the priest to, to raise him, and he's like, no, no, take him back. Hang out with him a while. And then when he was old enough, then he became a great leader in the nation of Israel. It's so important for us to give our children to the Lord. Because when we do that, they'll have significance. They'll be history makers. God will use them in a huge way. And they don't have to be a pastor. They don't have to be a priest. But when you give them to the Lord, he, he, there's an even more special destiny written in the book for them. The book of their life. And we take a look at Samuel. Samuel was weaned at the age of four. Whoa! He nursed for four years. <laughs> I, just, I just realized that. Wow, good job, Hannah. Talk about healthy, healthy living there. No formula for that baby. He's healthy. Okay, after Samuel was weaned at the age of four, he was brought to the tabernacle to serve under Eli the priest. Even as a child, Samuel was given his own ephod, a garment normally reserved for a priest as he ministered before the Lord in the tent of meeting at Shiloh, where the Ark of, Co of the Covenant was. Meanwhile, Samuel continued to grow in stature and favor with the Lord and with all men. He became a world changer, a history maker. And he was even at his child. Given, given a place of great responsibility, of great influence. Now, I'm going to ask you as moms, what would change if you started looking at your child as belonging to the Lord? What would change about you being a mama by you saying, God, I give him to you? What would change? I think a couple of things would change right off the bat, right? Take a little bit of the pressure off and say, God, I'm, I'm not perfect and, you know, I know that you can help me. You have a hand in this. I'm, and it also gets you to start praying for their destiny, for their, for their future, for the things that God's going to do through them in this world. It gets you to release control because mamas like to control, right? <laughs> Right? A little too much. Let it go. Let it go. All right? I saw a picture on Facebook with a kid. It had like a badge. And, and it said, it had his picture and his name and his address and everything on it. It said, it says, I, I'm a free range child. Right? Free range chickens, right? That's what I was growing up, right? We'd go, like, break into neighbors' houses and eat out of their cupboards, you know, build forts, dig holes in the ground, you know. We'd do all kinds of crazy stuff. Forts. Oh, 
free-range kid. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, things would change, wouldn't it? The way you, you perceive things if you said they belong to the Lord. And then also it frees you knowing that when they belong to the Lord, that even in the worst case scenario, even if you lost a child, they still belong to the Lord. Right? He gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it causes you to think differently about things. Yeah. Um, oh, so, the only, only God himself fully appreciates the influence of a Christian mother in the molding of a character of her children. It's so important to give them to the Lord. It's important to protect them by all means necessary. And where you can't, he can. And finally, Mothers rooted in destiny aren't perfect. They're not. They're not perfect. It's okay. Moms like to think that they're perfect and they're doing like the best job any mom can do, right? <laughs> At least, yeah. Right? No? Moms, you know, you know, you know that you're, you're not perfect. Okay, well, that's good. We're in we're on a good track here. Um, even though moms, just like the video, not a cool video, um, the, the, the character and the nature of God is not just a masculine thing. It, even though it is, he's a warrior, he's, he, he's a protector, he's all these things, right? Manly, but he, he's also, there's uh, feminine characteristics of the mom. Even in scripture up there was pointing to how he wants to protect us and bring us in as a hen would uh, gather her chicks and, you know, a number of other verses. But he, they're, they're, even though moms are made in the image of God, they're, they're not perfect, okay? Uh, there's a bunch of examples in the Bible of moms that weren't perfect. Um, here's one of them. Okay, the widow at Zervath, all right? First Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zervath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you, okay? Now, before I continue, uh, Elijah, they were, by the way, they were in a time where there was great suffering in the land, there was drought, people were dying, starving to death, there was all kinds of terrible things happening, and Elijah's like looking around for someone to take care of him, a meal to eat, okay? Let's pick up here, verse 10. So he went to Sephirath and arrived at the gates of the village and he saw the widow gathering sticks and asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. <laughs> Let me pause right there, okay? Like this poor old lady is starving to death likely and he's like, could you give me a glass of water? Oh yeah, by the way, bring me some food. Yeah, like there's not like a drought happening here. There's not like people dying or anything. Just, yeah, bring me some food. And as she was going, oh, but she said, uh, verse 12, I swear by the Lord, your God, that I, and notice right there, she says your God. She doesn't say my God. Okay, so she's not a believer. She says, I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. <laughs> Go ahead and just do what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. <gasps> Elijah. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. But this is what the Lord of God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops to grow again. Then she did as Elijah said. And she, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Let me just rewind here for a second because, I mean, by all standards and accounts, this woman 
if you look at it at a purely judgmental, matter-of-fact, not very kind way, this widow was a failure. She's a failure. First of all, she doesn't know God, right? And there's, she just, she, she, she spiritually failed. And, and being someone, a woman who says, I'm going to have God in my life because that helps me to be the best mom possible. Now, does that mean when you don't know God that you're a failure? It doesn't matter. If you do know God, you're still a failure, <laughs> right? But you have now, you have God to help you through that uh, imperfection to be a better person. And uh, God doesn't expect, even after you come to him, to be perfect. That's not his expectation. But she was spiritually not there with God. She wasn't being a good mom because her baby was starving. I mean, yeah, the land was in, in drought, but you got to do anything you can as a mom to make sure your kid doesn't die. And here she is. She's literally given up. We can even add in their depression and maybe hopelessness because she's saying, I'm going to eat this last meal and die. So she's previously quit. She has no more will to fight on. She's failing on many different levels as a mom. And here's the thing about moms. All of us, well, I'm not a mom, but all moms have failed in one way or another. They messed up. They made a mess of life. Made a mess of being the best mom possible. But that's okay. That's okay because God can work through that. God can work through even the worst circumstances, the worst type of sin. I mean, remember last week how we talked about the family tree that Jesus was traced from, because like the prophecy in the Bible said that, hey, this Messiah that comes, he's gonna be from the line of David. And then you look at the New Testament and you look at Matthew and Mark and there's literally so-and-so was the son or of so-and-so and so was, so this, it literally goes down from King David all the way to Jesus. Basically that's saying, hey, this is the proof that Jesus was born on David's line fulfilling this prophecy. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, so you go down that list, and guess who's included in that list? Rahab, the prostitute. Jesus was a descendant of a prostitute. And then you go even further down the line, and the line of Jesus goes through Bathsheba, who had an affair. David just went and slept with her and went and killed her husband, and she went along with it, married him. But the line of Jesus goes through Bathsheba. You can think about the worst possible things you can do as a mom. The worst possible failure. And God can redeem it. God can still bring the best out of you. He can still heal you from that. He can repair it. But God is working through these imperfect moms. So this, this widow, she, she's, she's given up. She, she doesn't even acknowledge God as her own. And she's hopeless and she wants to eat her last meal and die. But she still takes an act of faith, a step of faith, and does what the prophet says. And guess what? God provides a way. He provides a miracle like the jar keeps filling up with oil every day. And there's more flour in there. Every day they're eating and you think that, man, like this would be the end of the story, but it gets worse, okay? Because her child gets sick and dies, okay? You talk about even more if like, like I know that there are things that are outside of our control as moms, but you'd think that, you know, we'd be able to uh, nurse a kid back down to get flu or something. We, you know, we do all the things we have to do to, but then the baby dies. It's like, fail, right? <laughs> if, if, you know, the baby died, okay? Uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17 to 24. Let's read on this story. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, Oh, man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill me or kill my son? See, she knew she wasn't perfect. It's like, hey, why have you come here just to rub it in? We don't know if she was a widow because... She, she was divorced or she had an affair or if her husband died. We don't know the circumstances. 
but she knew that she had sin. But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs in the room where he was staying and laid on the body in his bed. And Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, she said, he said, your son is alive. Then a woman told Elijah, now, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that your Lord, what did she say? The Lord truly speaks through you. You see the change that happened there? Your God to the Lord. He is the Lord. She is recognizing God. Even in her imperfection, God works. He, when she can't, he can, right? She, she admits, I'm not perfect, but it's okay because God's enough. God provides. Let me ask you this morning, moms and as we're closing down here and the band's coming up, I want to ask you, has there been a point in being a mom where you kind of felt like that widow? Where you kind of felt like, man, I'm, I'm failing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. Maybe it's not just a point in being a mom. Maybe it's that point is right now to where you're feeling like I'm dealing with depression. I'm dealing with discouragement. I'm underappreciated. I'm losing my identity. I don't even know who I am in all this. I don't know which end is up because I'm constantly giving, 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 pouring, pouring, pouring. And it feels like no matter what I do, it's not good enough. The day never ends. Maybe some, some moms in here might be feeling like they failed. But I want to tell you this morning that when you can't, God can. God can. He can help you be that protecting mom. He can help you to live a life and the way you raise your child to be able to give your child to God even though you want to hold on and control things. And when you feel like a failure, God can carry you through the storm. But there's got to be a point where you as moms got to cry out to God and say, not your God, Pastor Stephen, but my God. I can't. God, you can. I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to help me to be the best mom I could be because, man, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to fail, and I'm going to really need you, God, to raise these children right because they're precious. They're special. They belong to you. But you got to call God on it. you got to invite him in on it. And... Well, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going we're gonna to pray and give you a chance, moms. Just, you know, it, it might even be that for you. Maybe you've already, as a mom, you've already given your life to God. You've invited him in in the process. But it just feels like you're not getting appreciation. You're not getting, uh, maybe you just need to be rejuvenated, re refilled this morning. So we're going to pray for you on all of those aspects. Moms, because you are special, you're, you're so full of worth and value, higher than you can ever imagine. Just like Billy Graham said, only God himself fully appreciates the influence of a Christian mother in the molding the character of her children. Only God can fathom the difference that you moms make. And um, so I'm going to pray for you. If you all bow our heads, close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much.
for this morning where we're learning about our roots and how our moms play a role in the destiny uh, in the history of the world and the way they raise their young ones. And, and Lord, we have moms in here this morning who maybe haven't taken that step in the process where it becomes your God to my God. And if, if, if that's you this morning, we're going to say a prayer in just a second. But before that, I'm going to pray for you ladies in this morning who are feeling like, man, uh, I, just, I, I just feel like discouraged maybe, or I maybe feel like I failed, or maybe I just, uh, maybe you're in here this morning and say, man, I just need to, like, God to zap me with the Energizer Bunny so I can do what I need to do. Or maybe you feel like, just, man, you just want to feel um, the love of God and the appreciation he has for you. And you're like, man, I need that filled in my heart. No matter where you're at, ladies, if you just want to touch from God this morning, moms, um, we're gonna, I'm going to do that for you in a second here. But before we do, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if, moms, if that's you, if you're somewhere in that spectrum, if I just need a touch from God this morning, I need to, I just want to feel a love, or I, just want, I feel like I failed maybe, or I, 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 I just need God's help, or I need to give my kids to the Lord, it doesn't matter. Would you be courageous without anybody looking around? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? God, God bless you, good. God bless you. God bless you. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for moms. We, you know, I know there's some moms who probably just need their cup filled this morning with your love, with your peace. Father, uh, help them to release this idea of like, I, I failed or I'm discouraged, I've given up. Lord, help them to release that and say, God, I can't, you can. God, I just pray that all moms would just feel so appreciated and so loved this morning that your Holy Spirit would rest on them right now from the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet, that they would feel your love in such a powerful way this morning. Fill them up, Lord. Continue to pray if you're a mom or you don't even, not even a mom, and say anybody in here who just feels like, man, I, I haven't got, I haven't invited God into the process of my life. It's your God, not my God, and I, I, I want to give God a chance because the things that I'm doing in my life, it's not working. Whether it's being a mom or a dad or your work or your school or the things that you do to try to fill that emptiness inside of you, it's not working. And you're like, man, I need to give God a chance because I feel like I'm at the end of myself. If that's you this morning, I'm going to say a prayer that you can you can say, and it's just real talk with you and God, just a simple way of communicating with him. It's basically you acknowledging what Jesus did for you on the cross. And what he did is he allowed himself to be nailed to a wooden tree, a wooden cross, and die a terrible death in order that your sins may be forgiven. Because basically, in, in the reality is, is that the wages of sin is death, and that's the consequence of our sin, and that's why Jesus had to pay with death. He had to pay with his blood, and he shed it for you so that you don't have to have a physical, spiritual death that sin comes to collect on. He died for you. And if, if you want to receive it, it's a gift. It's not something you have to earn or be good enough or be perfect. If you want to accept that free gift, all you got to do is say yes, Jesus. I'm going to show you how to say yes, Jesus. It's a real simple conversation you have with them. And if everybody could just repeat this prayer out loud together with me so nobody feels singled out. You say these words. If you want to give your heart to him, if you want to make him your God, you say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the dead and you conquered death so that I could be free. Jesus, I believe you're Lord, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come in my heart. 
Wash me clean. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said that prayer and you meant it, without anybody looking around, eyes closed, heads bowed, would you be courageous this morning as well? Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? God bless you. Good. Good. Anybody else? God bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the life change that's happening this morning. We thank you for moms. We thank you for the amazing protectors they are. We thank you that uh, they're so incredible. We don't have words to describe, and only you can. Father, only you can fully appreciate the lengths they go to take care of us and do what they do. Lord, help us to just love our moms this morning. And we thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, well, happy Mother's Day, you guys. We've had a lot of fun learning about honoring your mother and father and all those adults in our lives. And so now we have a little special song, though, for those moms before we pass out our gifts. So let's listen. Here we have. You're my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when sun are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. And now we've made some special flowers for our moms so we can go take them to our mothers or our families if we want and show them all the nice gifts that we made today. We also have some special soaps for all the ladies who are here today as well. So um, from the awakening. So thanks and happy Mother's Day.